Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And uh, today's film is Holy Motors, which is a French film. Empire Magazine gave it five stars, which is what brought it to my attention. Um, and of course, it was a big hit at the Cannes Film Festival, but that might be because it's French and it's <laughs> like you cheering for a film made of your own, in your own country. Um, but not since Rubber have we had such a foreign and controversial film on the show. Just a heads up. This will be uh, a podcast full of spoilers, having seen Holy Motors, so uh, it might not make sense to you, even if you've seen the film, but we will encourage you to check it out before listening to the rest of the podcast. Lloyd, uh, initial thoughts on Holy Motors? Well, I actually like this style of filmmaking, but not for an hour and a half. Like, it just becomes too much, and I remember around 50 minutes, I just stopped caring. Like, I really love the start with the guy waking up to that beautiful mural of that that forest and his hand is this strange key and he unlocks the door and he walks down this massive hallway into a cinema playing this um, old movie from, you know, I think it was King Vito's classic The Crowd or at least that's what it says on Wikipedia. I haven't actually seen that. And... Um, this dog and this child wandering around the cinema and it's a packed movie house and everyone's in silence watching this theatre. Just the lighting on that is very eerie and it just put me in this mood immediately. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. This is so beautiful. And then, you know, the main character goes in this limo and he goes to... And every segment is... um, I don't know, he goes in this... They're referred to as appointments, yeah. Yeah, and every appointment is like a mini short film. Um, based yep. on it so it's like seven or eight short films jammed into one film and it to me it ran out of steam really quickly there was too many references to movies like and we're going to spoil this movie guys like so if you haven't seen it you probably should and if you've made it to the scene like, the big thing about it was when Kylie Minogue started singing but I know a lot of people got uplifted at that moment because it was like oh cool you know it's all of a sudden that's the thing about movies like this they can incorporate from so many different genres whether it's a thriller or an action or a in this case, a strange sex, sexual scene with um, CGI. <laughs> and I'm sure there's deep meanings on that, the infusion of cinema and technology and all the rest of it. Um, but by the time Carly Minogue got on there, I just didn't care for any of it. You know, I was just like, oh, yeah, you know. It would have worked so much better just as a one-hour movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, look, um, I think if you can get past the first 30 to 40 minutes, you know, push through, then it's becomes more interesting beyond that um the appointments which i mean they seem like there are more than nine but some of them becoming exhausting <laughs> <laughs> this film look it reminds me a lot of uh schenectady new york the charlie kaufman one, yeah. film mm. have you ever seen that one no i haven't seen that one it's got a real tone to it and um yeah look as well it it sometimes doesn't make sense and it, it's a kind of film that revi- uh, requires um, multiple viewings. Um, I've only seen Holy Motors once, but um, the the really interesting thing that I thought, um, and there's a few people who talk about this online, is that throughout the nine appointments, we actually see the life of an actor and um, over the course of the day. So... Where is the old beggar lady in the initial appointment? This this nice theory online that um, that's like the low budget film that an actor would partake in, mm. and then he goes into the CGI scene and 
you know, basically moves into a different kind of role. There's that Beauty and the Beast kind of film with he and Eva Mendes. Yep. And um, that's kind of his breakout role where it's an unusual, you know, thing. And then more of a dramatic role with the father and daughter. And then that Killed with a Knife one, which uh, has two versions of him, is like a bit of a sci-fi action-y kind of film. And then, um, you know, when he moves into the uh, his older Twilight years, he plays the old uncle dying, you know, in a, in a bed there, and sort of becomes really dramatic. And perhaps, you know, that would be his Oscar-winning piece, hard mm. to say. And then, basically, um, he has the Kylie Minogue one, which whether or not that's a film into itself, you know, you yeah, can take that was or leave. A, what she was dressed in, um, her costume, I think was a reference to Breathless mm-hmm. um, by Jean-Luc Godard. So uh, the whole film is full with uh, references to cinema, like just from the get-go. Yeah, there's a list of them, I think, on IMDb. Yeah. Um, and then the final sort of appointment where he's left is where he has a monkey family, and that's sort of saying, you know, he did one more role and that, in a way, it says that any old monkey can act in front of the camera and it's really insulting to an actor, mm. um, you would think. Yep. Um, look, I, I think it's a long film, like I said, um, but it's a visual feast, isn't it? Yeah. Because I, I guess with these movies, you just, you just take away the segments that you really liked and there was yep. a lot I liked about this movie. I liked... Um, the mid part of it when all of a sudden the intermission he just starts playing that song in the church with the accordion that band starts jumping in behind him that mm-hmm. just really kicked me up and revenue i was like wow that's that's really cool just had a lot of energy in that scene i love the lighting um when he's doing the cgi scene and he's doing all that karate movements and the girl in red comes in really sexually and they sort of make love cgi so you know, it's uh, and then you see a rendering of it's these two aliens making love to each other. Um, yep. That the lighting and that and just how she moved reminded me of how the dog came in in the cinema. Um, that that was just really cool, really beautiful, very simple to do, and it just really puts you in that mood. And I love the, the tech. Um, sorry, yep. Sorry, I was just going to say the whole motion capture suit yeah, thing was probably my cap- favorite thing in the entire film. Sure, hugely visual those um fight sequences he does with all the acrobatics and i mean i'm supposing that it's a body double but even that could be forgiven i wouldn't be surprised with dennis levant like he or dennis levant i have you however you pronounce the name i think he's just such a superb actor i wouldn't be surprised if that's in his arsenal like that physicality mm-hmm. <laughs> i was i was trying to guess what the cgi would have been which I was very pleased to see some CGI at the end mm. because, you know, an actual sort of representation of what they were doing because I was thinking that the CGI would be a fight uh, from a game or a film, um, you know, like the it's a fighting sequence. And then he jumps on the treadmill and I thought that was fantastically shot. Yeah. Um, zooming in to look like he was just running with the background moving. Yeah. And he's just shooting his gun. And, and I thought that was probably my favorite shot in the film. And then he and the girl in the skin-tight red suit, sort of the groping and various sexual moves that they do. And it's a very quiet movie at this point. Like, it slows right down. Um, And then seeing those serpent monster things, he was obviously recording different films because he wasn't moving as a serpent monster on the treadmill or in the fight sequences. But um, I found that to be probably the most fascinating sequence. Yeah. Oh, um, I also unfortunately like, it was very early in the film. Yeah, <laughs> what it ran out of steam from then onwards for you. 
I actually watched this in two parts. I because, watched it um, in three parts. <laughs> I was going to say I sort of paused around the 30 to 40 minute mark. Um, I think that I stopped it just after the, the girl and the father in the car mm. when he picks her up um, from the Kylie Minogue can't get you out of my head party. Yeah. Um, at that point, I sort of just took a pause and I had to go do some other stuff and come back and watch the rest. But I found the second half much easier to watch because you get that um that speech in the in the you don't know what you're watching for a while Mm. you don't know the purpose of these appointments you don't know much about it but then the second half you get the fact that there's multiple limos doing this for multiple actors that it's very aware of itself you get the um the scene where he dies in the bed as an old man and then he says to the actress oh i'm running late for my next appointment i can't stay lovely working with you and whatever Mm. And you get that kind of, you know, uh, you get more of a picture of what this is and how he says you used to be able to see the cameras and now you can't even see the cameras anymore. And that's implying somebody is actually watching what they're doing besides this. Yes. The viewer, us. And so that was a very interesting kind of concept. So again, I sort of saw the second half of the film in a new light. Yeah. It's just sort of bizarre to think the first half, you don't really get that and you're watching... A series of strung together short films yeah like you say and the shoeless sewer man in a green suit who bites off a finger yep is just bizarre enough to drop so many viewers right there that was pulled from one of his early movies called tokyo that was a character in that and he just dropped it in in this movie yeah but mm-hmm. you're right it's so offsetting it's just like wow i wouldn't be surprised if like he had heaps of walkouts at that moment in the festival even just after that, I mean, it's sort of a long time, a period of time. Yeah. Well, I love um, the texture in that scene, like the flesh, how he lit all the the color of their flesh, like Ava Mendes and the main character look like. Uh, I don't want to sound pretentious, say it looked like a Caravaggio painting, but just the <laughs> just the the color of that the flesh tones in that scene was really really um, good. <laughs> really put an interesting mood like you're in that cave with this it sort of reminded me of phantom of the opera and beauty and the beast at the same time like the the animal brings down or the the villain brings down the the beautiful girl into the lair and you know mm-hmm. very bizarre um there was a note on imdb somebody had written that obviously he gets naked with eva mendez um he puts her in a burqa and um lies down and and she sings a little bit or something and uh he obviously there's for those of you who've seen it not on netflix um there's a lot of nudity there male nudity and netflix i think blurred it uh online not online sorry in america netflix you will see that scene differently because they've blurred out his um private areas oh okay apparently that was offensive well i downloaded it on itunes and it was there in full okay well there you go (laughs) Um, look, I, I found the one of the weakest ones being the picking up his daughter and from the party and she sort of lies about it, the party being fun. I actually really liked that. I thought that was so French. Like the father really pushing the daughter to be a popular girl and then the, um, you know, the girl admitting like, I, I can't do it, I'm not that kind of girl, you know? And he, the father's really disappointed. It's such a French scene to have. But then he says, your punishment is to be you, yeah. to his daughter, that's, you know. That's a very European thing to say. 
like uh, I guess in in uh, in the America style or even Australian style, we'd have it like you know an actual punishment. But his was just so uh, I guess really cruel, like really stabs at the soul, not at the heart. If you know what I mean, like mm. you're punished. Yeah, it's the cruelest words you can say. <laughs> All right, I suppose so. I mean, I just sort of thought it was a quite a short sequence in the car and then that was it, you know? Yeah. Mm. Anyway, um, the old man in the limo asking if he still enjoyed his work, you know? Yeah. He and looks that- tired. People don't believe what they're watching. That was a whole you know? talk about acting and the modern, yeah. 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 It's very, yeah, it's a very self-aware kind of movie. And yeah. I feel like it has its place, but that a lot of people are going to be just put off by so much yeah. in this film. Well, I think the director's bit overrated. Like, he's got tremendous skill, like, no doubt about it. But I, I, I just don't see... Um, like, this movie's praised so much by my favourite critics, and I just don't see it. I, I see the actor um, going through all these uh, short segments, showing off his abilities, and there's no doubt about his abilities. But the director, to create a story as a whole to really engage the viewer yeah you can chuck in all these movie references but if i don't care it's not a good movie and i didn't care like i'm watching all these short segments that had no emotional attachment at all like i got a Mm -hmm. few reactions like i really like that scene we just discussed with the father and the daughter probably because it's a european thing and i don't see that much with the all the american films i watch but there was moments where i just um I really didn't like the discussion or really didn't care for like the the whole scene where he's dying and he's telling that girl about his last word I, d- I didn't care at all of that scene <laughs> i thought she was very pretty actually yeah she was a gorgeous girl yeah she had good screen presence but it's interesting because that scene in the with the daughter that was probably the most emotional one and that's perhaps why you enjoyed it yeah well the the deaths i'm talking about the deathbed scene i didn't like yeah, no, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, for, the for a scene like that to work, the whole movie has to build up for that moment. Instead, we're just shot right in there in that scene. We're like, okay, some guy's dead. I don't know much about the backstory. And you just left there watching very slow dialogue, a very slow-paced scene, but you don't care because you don't know anything about the background. Do you think that in this world, um, they're filming all the parts of all of the scenes just out of sequence? Or do you think that it's the kind of society that, like, let's call it a YouTube society, that um, just watches things in five or six minute intervals? Yeah, that that's so. a really, really good point you brought up. So, yeah, maybe it's a director's statement on the modern position of cinema. Cinema is going through a change. Gaming is becoming a big factor and online internet is becoming a big factor. Like, a lot of uh, kids don't go to movies to watch big three-hour movies anymore. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true, but that's the way... I think uh, uh, older directors and producers and everything see it like people are more happy to watch fragments on YouTube or on their iPhone or on their tablet rather than going to a cinema and watching full. And I think that that movie kind of addresses it and has is implicit in it. Yeah, and also, I mean, I I really loved the implication when it happened. Uh, you only see one other limo, you know, mm. um, which Kylie Minogue turns out to be in. And then as it goes, you see tons of limos and towards the end, Holy Motors, the title of the film, obviously, is the place where all the limos are from. I hate that scene um, where they're all it, talking. <laughs> it's like, oh God, yeah. just end. <laughs> it, it, t- it took it one step further, didn't it? <laughs> it was interesting because it's like all the world's a stage, right? Yeah. And that's a huge sort of theme in this. And so perhaps 
half the people you know maybe not half the people in the world but there's a large percentage of actors who are just being driven around doing all of these roles and then whoever's not consuming it is probably working for this entertainment conglomerate the the drivers are quite you know an integral part of the whole process it's like a picture of this world i would have appreciated more information on Mm. Uh, a movie the engine of this movie is the limo that's the main drive uh, how it literally drives through the narrative um from uh segment to segment uh cosmopolis by david cronenberg that was released earlier this year has a similar thing where the whole film is pretty much set in this limo and he's driving to segment to segment i thought that was an interesting parallel there that both directors would use the limo as a metaphor or as a tool for the worlds Mm -hmm. that it um journeys through i was going to ask you about cosmopolis so it's good that you brought it up so which film is better i guess I'd go with Cosmopolis because it had an actor, it had a character, sorry, that you're that you're sitting through the whole thing, like one specific character role that you're engaged in. But it is a very, very, you know, it's a top-heavy film. You gotta engage it, listen to the dialogue heavily because it's almost like a Beckett play, you know. Otherwise, it'll just go right over your head. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I really like that film a lot more than um, Holy Motors. Holy Motors was very ambitious, and the director has tremendous skill. The actor, it shows off a lot of the actor's ability, which is great. Um, but I just wasn't engaged the whole entire time. But I do like movies like this where it shows fragments of, like, I, I guess Coffee and Cigarettes by uh, Jim Jarmusch. Yep. Have you seen that one? Jarmusch, yeah. Yeah, Jim Jarmusch or whatever. Um, I really like that film, but uh, it's very different to this film. Yeah, I mean, I think this one seems to be pretty negative and cynical. Mm. And I guess I do agree with what... Like, it's visually very good, and I do agree with what you said about um, emotionally there's not that attachment. We're supposed to watch this lead actor who walks out of his house in the morning and they're like, bye, daddy, you know. But even that probably was an appointment. Mm. You know where he yeah, goes, that's right. Where that's, he is at the that's what I interpreted. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, you don't know right away. Initially, you're like, all right. So he's going off in the limo. He's working, and then he gets on the phone. He has a chat. You know, a lot about, about figures and stuff. And then he does nine different roles. And at the time, I was thinking, is he some kind of performance artist? Is this something he's being paid to do? Like, it takes forty minutes to establish that these appointments are, you know, being seen by someone other than the people there. Yeah. And there are obviously no consequences when he bites the finger off of the assistant, you know, and that's a huge sort of, you know, you expect him to be caught and punished or and somebody to say that, something. And then after that, he shoots somebody in the street, you know, and then the yeah, lady comes, it's a, okay, it's okay, yeah. So it's got a different strange set of logic and rules um, compared to, uh, you know, compared to your normal movie, of course, but you sort of understand that from the get-go. And look, I mean, it is a film which references a lot of films. I think uh, the mask she puts on at the end is a reference to Eyes Without a Face. Yeah. Which um, the actress, Celine, is played by Edith Scobe. So, um, same actress. And But the limos talking about how they're going to become obsolete was bizarre, wasn't it? it was yeah. Just- well, maybe that's in reference to, <coughs> to the director's position on cinema itself like you know um this what you're watching on screen is going to be obsolete soon it's going to be overtaken by something else yeah it's a bizarre like bizarre french film in a way um but 
I sort of the more I looked into it and the more I sort of um, researched it I think the more I liked it yeah so having just finished watching it I was thinking what did I just watch you know (laughs) I mean it's one of those films where I don't know if it's going to be a classic or a cult film you know Um, it's still uh, such a new title that it's hard to categorize but the five-star review from Empire um, was what pointed me in the right direction of this film at the beginning and and it like I really appreciated all the visuals um, I think I was a bit detached emotionally like you mm. and um, though I can see the narrative of him going through his day it is broken up into segments yeah um, and not so much about him There is there a real him I guess yeah well that's the thing at the end he's with the monkeys and you think that's his family that it's gonna you know circle to where he was in the beginning um, but it isn't. So you never. The only time you you really solidified with the character, and you know that that's a character, is in the limo. Really, um, every time he's putting on makeup, like that's the actual character, not the somebody that he's playing. And I guess yeah, it's got that like that um, we all wear masks, metaphorically mm. speaking, yeah. kind of thing from the mask. You know, jumps to mind where it's. Um, yeah, he's constantly, and we probably all play roles and play characters throughout our lives and throughout our day. Yep. You know, it's probably the, a it's ton a whole of discussion of identity. You know, when you wake up and you look in the mirror, and you you know you talk one way to your family, you talk another to your friends. You know that argument. Exactly. Um, just to touch on that Kylie Minogue song um, that she does, which you mentioned earlier, I actually found the song quite annoying oh really reason being was because of the lyrics sure um which i'll just repeat the lyrics i will not sing them apologies (laughs) but um she says who we were who were we who were we when we were who we were back then which obviously sounded lyrically better in a song and then she says we once had a child which is a pretty big it's a pretty big exposition song i guess is my complaint Mm. you know like there was a time where they knew each other and at the time of watching this i'm thinking they're outside of their proper limo duties you know like i i didn't think this was an appointment while i watched it and I, i in retrospect i'm not sure whether or not it was um because of the singing it made it like they were in a musical but um then she seamlessly goes into her flight attendant one, which makes me think that was her real appointment. And uh, interesting that he made that squealing noise as he ran past her dead body on the pavement there. Mm. You know, he wasn't expecting to see her dead, I guess, mm. when she jumps. But um, for me, the song was just spelling something out. And I don't know what this was meant to be a commentary on, perhaps when people break into songs in movies the director doesn't like that or (laughs) you know who were we who were we when we were who we were back then like is gibberish lyrics (laughs) like i don't know and if they did once have a child they didn't really discuss it she just sang and that was it Mm. um so it was very confusing and look i think a lot of the film kind of falls in that confusing you know headspace yeah so like it's so difficult to know this reminds me of rubber which we did on the podcast as well i think it's a lot better than rubber though 
Um, I, I, I was, uh, I lost interest in Robber pretty quickly. <laughs> um, you know, but yeah, but you the, lost interest in this as well. I mean, uh, yeah, but not for not till about an hour um, into it. But yeah, I did lose interest in it. But Rubber, right away, I was like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, right away, at that moment, the guy's delivering the monologue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I knew what kind of film we were in, in for at that point. Yeah, I, I, it reminded me of Rubber in the sense that I felt like it had a big commentary, to, like something to say about the industry and something to to give to the viewer, basically. Mm. Um, obviously, I didn't like Rubber as well, and you can find that on podmeifyoucan.com. Yeah. Our, um, our episode about the movie Rubber, but I felt like it was it was trying to deliver more than was necessary. Maybe, yeah, um, yeah. Again, ambitious, a very ambitious film. But I mostly enjoyed the visuals from Holy Motors. Yeah. I don't know about you. Yes, same. And I, I enjoyed how it put me in that mood. Um, like again, we're talking about the dog walking in and the. Um, uh, and the girl in red walking in for that CGI scene, the motion capture mm-hmm. scene rather. And there were really good moments in the limo when he's all getting up and you see the craftsmanship that goes into makeup and, and all the rest of it. And you really appreciate the actor at the end of this film. Like the, the film, the whole film really is a big celebration for the actor and how much effort they put in and how much uh, uh, identity they have to lose or fall into the exhaustion of absorbing those roles. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's one of the big moments in that film. It's just, yeah. Um, so I, I appreciate it for a lot of that, but just too long for me. Like, 50 minutes, I get it. Show your best segments and pull out. <laughs> it just doesn't work for an hour and 18 minutes or however long this goes on for. I think it was closer to an hour 40. Oh, really? But, um, oh, I got it here, 116 minutes. Okay, Didn't right. feel like that, did it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't really watch the time, mostly just tried to understand what i was saying all right well um that was holy motors and um now we will do the regular segment on pardon me if you can what should i watch dave so a little while ago we did a movies we're looking forward to segment and uh, i've actually seen one of the films I was looking forward to and I thought I would put a recommendation here because it as well is a very complicated film that requires multiple viewings and it doesn't pander to an audience. Um, It doesn't spell things out. Exposition, if you like exposition in your movie, then this is not a recommendation for you because this is a think piece that you need to fill in the blanks for and again feels like the kind of movie that you're going to need to look up online and you know, find others who like this film. So um, this is from the same guy that did Primer, Shane Carruth, Mm -hmm. and the film is called Upstream Colour, which was one of the films I was looking forward to, I don't know, several episodes back. But um, look, it's... I won't spoil it. The less I say about it, the better. But it, um, it is disturbing. It is fascinating. It is... um, it's full of like I, I believe it's quite a low budget film the director wouldn't comment um in interviews about um the actual budget of the film but i'm fairly confident it is uh less than ten thousand dollars i believe he shot it with um digital cameras perhaps um or a red camera it's, it's unclear but um 
again, not the kind of thing he wants to focus on with the film. He's uh, he acts in the film. Yep. Um, so he's the lead. He's the composer. He wrote it. He directed it. He's like a Robert Rodriguez. Cool. He's one of these guys to watch, basically. Did the film get a big cinematic release, or was it one of the ones that just went straight to DVD or Blu-ray? Um, they did an independent release when it. Uh, they took it to Sundance. Didn't sell it at Sundance, but they did weren't trying to sell it at Sundance because they were doing a um, a tour. Like uh, they booked cinemas and they took the film around America, and they did at least forty something cinemas before it was released on DVD. So um, it had this kind of cult independent following because Primer is uh, exactly the same way. Primer is this fascinating film. I think we've mentioned it a few times yeah, on the podcast. I still haven't seen it. <laughs> and I said last time you said that that we would have to do an episode on it because um, I'd love to get your initial reactions on it. But this one is Upstream Color and it it involves... The first 30 minutes is such an amazing setup to this film and then the two acts that follow um so different i mean i can't really spoil it but it's it's got an element of uh it's about connections it's about the human soul it's about um the the life that we're living and just i don't know when someone pulls the wool over your eyes and and cons you in your life and I don't know, the after effects. There's a lot going on. It's a very... There's a lot to say. Perhaps um, after you see it, Lloyd, we'll do a podcast on yeah, that Yeah, definitely. One. It sounds like you're really affected by the movie. Well, it's it's the kind of film that you don't know where it's going. Yeah. It's the kind of film that you have to put pieces together as you're watching it. It's, it's told in such a way that there are quiet parts of the film where, um, you know, not a lot of dialogue, just kind of this interesting score... Uh, but the visuals start telling the story and you, you really have to sort of not blink, you know, just it grabs you. Um, it's not going to be a film for everybody because it's not a blockbuster. It's not going to be a, um, uh, how should I put it? I mean, it's, it's story wise, you've sort of got to fill in a few blanks. It's one of those films where there's enough of a story for it to be, you know, considered a narrative but just the parts you don't see are the bits you wonder about, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pleased I recommended it um, some time ago in the uh, upcoming films podcast. But having actually seen it now, it's um, lived up to my expectations, I think. Cool. Um, Lloyd, do you want to tell us about the YouTube stuff we're doing? Oh, yeah, guys. we got a YouTube channel, like a, a full channel dedicated to Podme If You Can stuff. And we're uploading video, so it's not just the audio. We're doing an actual web show where we review obscure movies, like sort of movies. At the moment, we've done a whole bunch of movies that we got from the Reject Shop or I guess for our international listeners, what you'd get at the Costco bargain bins um, or the Walmart bargain bins. And it usually... St- several, of, several of the titles uh, cost us $2. <laughs> and it usually stars... Um, um, uh, actors who've either just before they hit became famous or um, just at, at the end of their career when they're pretty, you know, desperate for any role, really. Um, and, yeah, we, some of these movies are really hard to watch and it's been fun, been painful to sit through them, but fun to review them, I'll say. <laughs> Definitely. And uh, you can check that out. You can find the link to our YouTube channel and our Facebook page and so many other things at www.podmeifyoucan.com. 
All right. Uh, thanks for listening to Holy Motors, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks, guys. All the best.